Encyclical letter Respicientes, protesting the taking of the pontifical states, by Pope Pius the Ninth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Epistle Encyclical of His Holiness Pius the Ninth on the Usurpation of Rome. Pius the Ninth by divine providence pope to all patriarchs primates archbishops and bishops and to other local ordinaries having favour and communion with the apostolical see venerable brethren health and apostolic benediction having regard to all the proceedings taken for many years past by the piedmontese government with incessant plots aiming at the overthrow of the civil principality granted by the singular providence of God to the apostolic see, in order that the successors of blessed Peter might enjoy full liberty and security in the exercise of their spiritual jurisdiction, it is impossible, venerable brethren, but that our inmost heart should be grieved at such a conspiracy against the church of God and this holy see. And at this calamitous period, when the said government, following the counsels of sects of perdition, has for a long time meditated a sacrilegious invasion of our beloved city, and of the remaining states, of which the dominion was left to us from the former usurpation, and has now carried that design into effect by force of arms, against all law and right, whilst we, prostrate before Almighty God, adore His mysterious designs, and say with the prophet, Ego plorans et oculus meus deducens aquas, quia longe factus est a me consolator, convertans animam meam, facti sunt filii mei perditi quoniam invaluit inimicus. Jeremiah, Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 16. Venerable brethren, the history of this nefarious war has been sufficiently explained and published long ago to the whole Catholic world. We have done it in our encyclical allocations and briefs, delivered or dated at various times, namely, on the 1st of November, 1850, on the 22nd of January, and 26th of June, 1855, on the 18th and the 28th of June, and on the 26th of September, 1859, on the 19th of January, 1860, and in the Letters Apostolical, 26th of March, 1860. Also in allocutions of 28th of September, 1860, 18th of March and 30th of September, 1861, 20th of September, 17th of October, and 14th of November, 1867. In this series of documents, are viewed and explained the very grievous injuries inflicted by the Piedmontese government on the sovereign authority of us and of this apostolic see in the years prior to the commencement of the occupation of the ecclesiastical dominion, laws being enacted against natural, against divine, and against ecclesiastical right. The ministers of religion, the religious communities, and even the bishops themselves being subjected to unworthy vexations. The faith pledged to this holy see in solemn treaties being forfeited, 
and the sacred obligations of those treaties being curtly repudiated at the very time when the said government was signifying its desire to conclude new treaties with us. In those documents, venerable brethren, it is evidenced, and posterity will see, with what arts and by what cunning and unworthy plots the said government has gone the length of overbearing justice and the sacredness of the rights of this apostolic see, and, at the same time, it will be known what exertions we have made to restrain, so far as in us lay, such lawless conduct that daily grew worse, and to defend the cause of the Church. You are well aware how in the year 1859 the chief cities of the Emilia were stirred up to rebellion by the Piedmontese authorities, who sent in writings, conspirators, arms and money, and how, not long afterwards, assemblies of the people having been convened, and suffrages having been taken, a pretended plebiscite was got up, and by that trickery and pretense, our provinces, situate in that region, were wrested from our paternal government, all good men in vain protesting against the act. You are also well acquainted with the fact that, during the year following, the said government made prey of other provinces situated in Piscinum, in Umbria, and in the Patrimony, and turned them to its own profit, alleging crafty pretexts, and with a large army attacked by surprise our troops and the volunteer band of Catholic youths, who, induced by the spirit of religion and piety towards their common father, had hastened from all parts of the world to our defence, and routed them in a murderous battle, they being taken at unawares, yet fighting bravely for their religion to the last. Neither is any man ignorant of the extraordinary insolence and hypocrisy of this government, which in order to extenuate the odium of their sacrilegious usurpation, has not hesitated to give out that it had invaded those provinces to restore in them the principles of moral order, whilst, in reality, it everywhere promoted the diffusion and cultivation of every false doctrine, and everywhere relaxed the restraints of lust and impiety likewise inflicting undeserved penalties on Catholic bishops and on ecclesiastics of every grade, whom it threw into prison, and allowed to be harassed with public insults, while at the same time it granted immunity to those persecutors, and even to the assailants of the supreme pontifical dignity in the person of our humility. It is, moreover, true that we, in the due discharge of our office, have not only all along resisted reiterated counsels and demands offered to us, to the effect that we should basely betray our duty, throwing over, forsooth, and surrendering the rights and possessions of the Church, or entering into a sinful compromise with the usurpers. Also, it is true that we have opposed to these wicked attempts and crimes so perpetrated, contrary to all law human and divine, our solemn protests before God and man and that we have declared their authors and abettors to be involved in ecclesiastical censures, and, as far as the case required, we inflicted anew those censures upon them. Lastly, it is a well-known fact that the aforesaid government has persisted nevertheless in its contumacy and its plots, and endeavoured to stir up rebellion in our remaining provinces by sending in, without intermission, 
its emissaries to stir up trouble, and by artifices of every kind. But these attempts not succeeding, as was expected, on account of the unshaken fidelity of our soldiers, and the love and affection of our people, which was remarkably and unwaveringly manifested towards us, at last that fierce tempest broke out against us in the year 1867, when, during the autumn, bands of desperate men, burning with wickedness and rage, and aided by subsidies from the said government, invaded our territories and this city, where many persons belonging to the same bands had already found entrance and had concealed themselves, and from their violence and cruelty and arms, all fierce and bloody outrages were to be feared by us and by our beloved subjects, as was clearly evident, unless the merciful God had frustrated their attacks by the energy of our troops and by the effective aid of a force sent to us by the renowned French nation. In so many conflicts, in such a succession of perils, anxieties and sorrows, divine providence conferred on us, meanwhile, the greatest consolation, venerable brethren, from the noble piety and zeal of yourselves and of your faithful flocks towards us and towards this apostolic see, of which piety and zeal you continually gave signal proofs by works of Catholic charity. And although the very grave dangers in which we were involved left us scarcely any respite, yet with the help of God we never relaxed our efforts to secure the temporal prosperity of our subjects, and the state of public tranquillity and security under our rule, the condition of all our best arts and sciences, and the loyalty and affection of our populations towards us, were matters of notoriety to all nations, from whom strangers continually came in crowds to this city, and especially on the occasions of the numerous solemnities which we celebrate, and at the times of the solemn festivals in their succession. And now, when things were in this posture, and our people enjoying peace and quietness, the Piedmontese king and his government, seizing the opportunity, when two of the most powerful nations of Europe were engaged in a great war, with one of which the said government had entered into a treaty to preserve inviolate the present state of the church's dominion, and not to allow it to be invaded by the revolutionists, all at once determined to invade the remaining territories of our dominion, and even our sea itself, and reduce them under their power. But why this hostile invasion, and what pretexts were alleged for it? It is a matter of notoriety what kind of representations were made in the letter of the King to us, dated the 8th of September last, and delivered to us by his envoy commissioned for the purpose. In that letter, with lengthy and insincere circuitousness of words and sentences, under the assumed character of a loving son, and a Catholic, and under the pretext of the preservation of public order, and of the security of the papacy itself, and of our person, the demand was made that we would be pleased not to take as a hostile act the overthrow of our temporal power, and would surrender that power of our own accord, in reliance on the futile promises made by himself, which, as he said, would reconcile the aspirations of the peoples of Italy with the sovereign rights and free exercise of the spiritual authority of the Roman Pontiff. We, in truth, could not but greatly marvel at seeing in what manner 
the violence intended to be used shortly against us, was attempted to be veiled and disguised, nor could we help deploring from our inmost soul the sad case of the said king, who, impelled by evil counsels, inflicts daily new wounds on the church, and, having respect to men rather than to God, does not reflect that there is in the heavens a king of kings and lord of lords, who doth not regard the person of any man, nor fear the greatness of any man, for he hath made both great and small, and that for the stronger there is but the stronger punishment. The Book of Wisdom, chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. But as to the propositions made to us, we thought that we ought not to entertain them, but that we should obey the laws of duty and conscience, and imitate the example of our predecessors, and especially of Pius the Seventh, of happy memory, the sentiments of whose unconquered soul uttered by him in a cause completely similar to our own, we have pleasure in quoting. Let us remember, with St. Ambrose, that Naboth, a holy man, and the possessor of a vineyard of his own, was called upon by a royal demand that he should make over his vineyard that the king might cut down the vines and plant common pot-herbs therein, and that he answered, God forbid that I should sell the inheritance of my fathers. Much more do we judge that it would be unlawful for us to surrender so ancient and sacred an inheritance, namely the temporal dominion of this holy see, which, not without the evident design of divine providence, has been held in possession by the Roman pontiffs, our predecessors, through a long series of ages, or even to give a tacit assent that any man should take possession of the chief city of the Catholic world, when the unsettlement and abolition of the holiest form of government, which has been left by Jesus Christ to his holy church, and has been ordained by the sacred canons authorized by the Spirit of God, would introduce in its place that code, which is contrary and repugnant not only to the sacred canons, but even to the precepts of the gospel, and would bring in, as is usually the case, that new order of things which tends most manifestly to mingle and confound all sects and superstitions with the Catholic Church. Naboth defended his vines with his blood. Can we do otherwise, happen what may to us, than defend those rights and possessions of the Holy Roman Church, as we are in duty bound to do by the solemn obligation of our oath? Can we do otherwise than vindicate the liberty of the apostolic see, which is so intimately connected with the liberty and welfare of the universal church? And how great in reality is the congruity and necessity of this temporal principality to the assertion of that safe and free exercise of the spiritual power granted by God to them over the whole world, too many facts that are now taking place, should other arguments be wanting, clearly demonstrate. Letters Apostolic, June the 10th, 1809 Therefore, adhering to the sentiments, which in many of our allocutions we have constantly professed, we reproved in our answer to the king his unjust demands, and yet so as to show that, with our bitter sorrow, there was conjoined that fatherly affection which cannot wholly repel from its solicitude even sons who imitate the rebellious Absalom. But this, our letter, had not yet been conveyed to the king when the cities of our pontifical dominion, which were as yet untouched and at peace, 
were invaded by his army, the garrisons, whenever they attempted to make any resistance, being easily routed, and then, in a short time, that unhappy day dawned, the 20th of last September, on which we beheld this city, the see of the Prince of the Apostles, the centre of the Catholic religion, and the refuge of all nations, beset with thousands of armed men, its walls battered down, and itself terror-stricken by the cannon-shots fired upon it. And we had to mourn over its capture, vi et armis, by the order of the man who just before had professed so strongly his filial affection towards us, and his fidelity to religion. What could be to us, and to all good men, more afflicting than that day? On it, when the troops entered the city, the city was filled with a large and promiscuous crowd of disorderly persons, and we immediately beheld public order overturned. We saw the dignity and sacredness of the sovereign pontificate and the humility of our person insulted with impious language. We beheld our very faithful troops treated with every kind of insult and license, and impudence let loose without restraint far and near, where, but just before, the affilial affection was conspicuous of those who were endeavouring to alleviate the grief of a common father. And ever since that day there have ensued, before our own eyes, things which cannot be mentioned without exciting the just indignation of all good men, wicked books, stuffed with lies, obscenity, and blasphemy, have begun to be exposed for ready sale, and to be disseminated everywhere. A multiplicity of newspapers intended to corrupt minds and morals are published, tending to insult and calumniate religion, and to influence public opinion against us and against this apostolic see. Foul and improper pictures are displayed openly, and other contrivances of the same kind, by which sacred persons and things are held up to ridicule and exposed to public derision, are exhibited. Honours and monuments are decreed to those who have suffered, by legal trial and sentence, the just punishment of most heinous crimes. Many ministers of the Church, against whom every species of odium is stirred up, are harassed with all kinds of insult, and some of them are stricken and wounded by the blows of treacherous assassins. Some religious houses have been subjected to illegal search. Our quirinal palaces have been broken into, and from his residence, in one of them, a Roman cardinal has been roughly thrust out by violent orders, and other ecclesiastics of our household have been shut out of their use and subject to molestation. Laws and decrees have been put forth which avowedly injure and destroy the liberty, immunity, property, and lawful rights of the Church of God. And all these most terrible evils, unless God avert it, we grieve to see are likely to progress. And we, meanwhile, are hindered by reason of our present position from applying any remedy, and are every day more rudely reminded of the captivity in which we are held, and of the absence of that full liberty which is pretended in lying words to be left us for the exercise of our apostolic ministry over the world, and is professed to be meant to be secured to us with safeguards, as they are called, by the intruding government. We cannot here, venerable brethren, pass under silence the commission of an atrocious crime, which without doubt is known to you. As though the possessions and rights of the apostolic see 
sacred and inviolable by so many titles, and respected during so many centuries, could be today controverted and disputed, and as though the grave censures which are incurred ipso facto, and without fresh declaration, by the violators of these rights and possessions, could lose their force by rebellion and popular audacity, they have had recourse to cover the sacrilegious spoliation we have suffered, in spite of the common law of nature and of nations. They have had recourse, we say, to the show and comedy of a plebiscite, already employed when the other provinces were robbed from us. And those who are in the habit of rejoicing in the worst actions did not blush to parade, as in triumph, through the towns of Italy, rebellion and contempt of ecclesiastical censures, thus insulting the true sentiments of the great majority of Italians, whose religion and fidelity towards us and towards Holy Church, forcibly repressed in all sorts of ways, cannot have free course. As to ourselves, charged by God to rule and govern the whole house of Israel, and made the supreme defender of religion, of justice, and of the rights of the church, in order that we be not reproached before God, and before the church for having been silent, and for having, by our silence, consented to this unjust revolution, renewing and confirming that which we have already declared in the allocutions, encyclicals, and briefs above mentioned, and recently in the protestation which, by our order, and in our name, the Cardinal Secretary of State communicated on the 20th of September to the ambassadors, ministers, and chargés d'affaires of foreign nations accredited to us and to this holy see, we declare anew before you, venerable brethren, with all possible solemnity, that it is our intention, resolution, and will to retain in their integrity, intact and inviolable, all the dominions and rights of this holy see, and so to transmit them to our successors, that all usurpation of these rights, whether of a recent or of an earlier date, is unjust, violent, null, and void, and that all the acts of the rebels and invaders, already accomplished, or still to be accomplished, with a view of confirming, in whatever manner, this usurpation, are by us from this moment condemned, annulled, quashed, and abrogated. We moreover declare, and we protest before God, and before the Catholic world, that we are in such captivity as to render it altogether impossible for us to exercise our pastoral authority with security, ease, and freedom. Finally, following the advice of St. Paul, Que participatio injustitiae cum iniquitate, aut quae societas luci ad tenebras, que autem convencio Christi ad Belial. Second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. We announce and publicly and openly declare that, faithful to our office and to the solemn oath which binds us, we neither consent nor will consent to any project of conciliation which may, in any manner whatever, destroy or lessen our rights, which are the rights of God and of the Holy See. And we likewise profess that we are ready, thanks to the divine assistance, and in spite of our great age, to drink to the dregs for the Church of Jesus Christ the chalice which he first deigned to drink for her, and that we will never commit the fault of yielding to or acquiescing in 
the unjust demands which are addressed to us. For, as our predecessor, Pius VII, said, to do violence to this sovereign empire of the apostolic see, to separate the temporal power from the spiritual, to disjoin, to tear asunder, and to cut up by the roots the offices of pastor and of prince, is nothing but the desire to ruin and destroy the work of God, nothing else but to labour for the greatest injury to religion, is nothing else but to deprive it of a most efficacious bulwark, so that the supreme ruler, pastor, and vicar of God may not have it in his power to give to Catholics, who, scattered all over the world, ask of him aid and succour, that help which they claim from his spiritual power, and which no one may hinder. But since our admonitions, expostulations, and protests have been without effect, by the authority of Almighty God, of the holy apostles Peter and Paul, and by our own, we declare to you, venerable brethren, and by you to the whole church, that all those who have perpetrated the invasion, usurpation, and occupation of any of the provinces of our dominion, and of this our beloved city, or have done any of these things, of whatever dignity they may be, and even know they should be worthy of a most special mention. And in like manner, all their agents, abettors, assistants, counsellors, adherents, and all others, either obtaining the execution of those things, under whatever pretext, or in whatever manner, or executing them themselves, have incurred, according to the form and tenor of our letters apostolic, recited the 26th of March, 1860, the greater excommunication, and the other censures and ecclesiastical penalties published by the holy canons, apostolical constitutions, and the decrees of general councils, and particularly of the Council of Trent. But calling to mind that we hold on earth the place of him who came to seek and to save that which was lost, we desire nothing more ardently than to embrace with paternal love the wandering sons who may return to us, and therefore, raising our hands to heaven, in the humility of our heart, remitting and commending to God the most just of causes, which is his still more than our own, we conjure and supplicate him, by the bowels of his mercy, to aid us by his succour, to aid his church, and to bring about, through his mercy and compassion, that the enemies of the church, thinking upon the eternal damnation which they are preparing for themselves, may hasten to appease his terrible justice before the day of vengeance, and to console by their conversion the affections of their holy mother the church, and our own grief. In order to obtain from the divine mercy such special favours, we earnestly exhort you, venerable brethren, to join with our supplications your fervent prayers, and those of the faithful committed to your care, and going all together to the foot of the throne of grace and mercy, let us engage the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and that of the blessed Apostles Peter and Paul. The Church of God, from her beginning until our day, has often been in tribulation, and has as often been delivered. It is she who cries out, Seipi expugna verunt me a juventute mea, etinim non potuerunt mihi. Supra dorsum meum fabrica verunt, 
peccatores prolungaverunt iniquitatum suam. Neither today will the Lord allow the scepter of sinners to determine the lot of the just. The arm of the Lord is not shortened, nor unable to save. Without doubt he will deliver his spouse once again, his spouse whom he has purchased with his blood, endowed with his spirit, adorned with his heavenly gifts, and has also enriched with earthly gifts. And now we ask of God, from the bottom of our heart, the abundant treasures of the heavenly graces for you, venerable brethren, and for all the clergy and laity, confided to the care of each of you, and as a pledge of our special love for you, we affectionately grant to you, from our inmost heart, the apostolical benediction, to you, and to all the faithful, our well-loved sons. Given at Rome, at St. Peter's, the first day of November of the year 1870, being the twenty-fifth year of our pontificate. Pius the Ninth. End of encyclical letter, Respicientes, protesting the taking of the pontifical states, by Pope Pius the Ninth. Recording by Algie Pug.